Well, good morning to Axis Church. How's everybody doing today? Good. I'm glad you guys are here today. Uh, I We had an exciting night last night, and we're going to talk some about that today, about what happened in this room last night with LifeBridge Church and uh, the coming together of two churches, churches and uh, had an exciting uh, evening. One of the most exciting things was it was actually a Brenner, which means we, means we had breakfast for dinner. Amen. I mean, how many of you know that's a good thing? And uh, car- carbohydrates <laughs> galore. And uh, it was uh, very, very delicious. And I appreciate everybody who joined in with that. Uh, I am ready for summer. I know we talked about that already. I, I'm looking forward to the next uh, few months as we get prepared for uh, summertime and the excitement of kind of being in warm weather. And, and when I was in high school, we often went on family vacations to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We lived in North Carolina, so the beach was only about four hours away. And normally our beach trips included camping in a pop-up camper with no AC, surfing the waves and playing in the sand, and eating at a local cafeteria. We were not a rent-a-beach cabana, sleep-in-a-condo-pay-for-excursions kind of a family. Do you know what I mean? And uh, so it surprised us a bit one day when my dad said, we are going to go on a charter boat and go fishing. Now, I had been fishing before, but I had never been on a charter boat before. We loaded up with several other people, and the captain of the boat made sure that we had everything that we needed. He gave us clear instructions. He took us to exactly the places that we needed to go to find the, the large amounts of fish. His crew literally did everything for us. They prepared the poles. They miraculously untangled the lines when three or four of us got them caught underneath. Somehow they quickly untangled us. They even took the fish off of the hook when you caught them. And if you wanted them to, they would even bait your hook with octopus. It was incredible. They did everything. I mean, it was literally fishing for dummies in the Atlantic Ocean. Now, one of the things that happened was we caught so many fish that day. We had a blast because they would use these fish finders that would just put you right in the middle of a school of fish, and they would say, okay, everybody, throw out your, uh, the, the line, and that's what we would do. I realize looking back now that the captain of the boat knew a whole lot more about fishing than I did, but he still trusted me to cast the line. And that's not too different from the disciples in Matthew chapter 4. It said that Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two brothers, Simon Peter and his brother Andrew, and they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. The Bible goes on to tell us that actually they had, Jesus said, I want you to throw out the nets on the other side of the boat, and they also had that miraculous catch of fish. And after they came into shore, Jesus said, come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and they followed him. Now that verse, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men, has been a key verse for us as a church from the very beginning, from 10 years ago. And really our values as a church are rallied around that, that, that phrase, come follow me. We call that exploring faith in God. For the first time, or whether it be the hundredth time, that you are learning about God, that you are exploring faith in God, come follow me. It's an invitation from Jesus. It's an invitation to learn about him, to grow in him, to study about him, and to know him personally. And then he says, I will make you, not just me, not just you, all of us together. I will make you. I will change you. I will grow you. 
I will take all of you and you use you as my ambassadors to this world. I will make you, and we call that experiencing relationships with God and other people. That this idea of making us together a group, a team, a body, means that we are experiencing relationships. So we're exploring faith, experiencing relationships. And then he says that I will make you fishers of men. In other words, I, will, I want you to express my mission and my love to the world. And we just call that expressing the love of God to the world. And so that, that's really the heart of who we are as a church, that we are going to go fish for people. And what we realize is that the captain of this ship knows a whole lot more about fishing for people than we do. And that day, the disciples, their lives were utterly changed. And when you encounter Jesus, you are transformed for eternity. Those disciples could have never imagined what was in front of them. Jesus called them to something great. And by the way, his calling is still there for us today, too. He's called us to be on a great mission with him, doing incredible things to impact this world for Christ. And last night, we gathered together with actually my brother's church in Middletown. And a few weeks ago, we had mentioned that we're going to uh, merge with them and become Axis Christian Church in Middletown and in Mason. And they have about 50 people there. They have a building on eight acres. It's a small building. Part of this will be building out a, a, an additional space for them or for us together, I guess. And, and uh, we'll keep that cost as reasonable as we can. We're projecting about $400,000 for the, uh, a building that's much like this part of the building so they, they can do worship there. And, um, but when we do that, when we plan these things together and we become one church, what we said last night was we realized we, really we're already one church. The name Axis, the name LifeBridge, those are just made-up names. The name that is above every name matters the most. The name Christ. He's what brings us together. We are already one church. And we're using some key phrases from the Bible in Ephesians chapter 3 and 4 to really capture who we are as one. But last night at our dinner together, we showed this video. Check it out.
really believe, we, yeah, <clears throat> we really believe that the church is the hope of the world. And, and part of that mission for us has always been, how do we start new churches? How do we, we, we know that more people come to faith through new churches, uh, and that's statistically true across the board throughout the country. And so we, we've desired for the very beginning of our church to say, how can we start churches or how can we be a community church in different communities to impact people? And, and this opportunity came along. And, and um, it's been interesting because the church in Middletown is a church that's been around since 2005. They have about 50 people there. And I told Mark in the church at LifeBridge last night that we are bringing reinforcements um, in. And, uh, and we're going to do it in a way that restarts and relaunches in Middletown and is able to then reach the south of Dayton, which is something that we have not had the opportunity to do. People from Franklin and Middletown and Miamisburg generally don't travel to Mason, Ohio to come to church. And so uh, we have an opportunity to do that. And this series this month is going to be all about coming together and accomplishing God's mission together. And our key verses are from Ephesians chapter 3 and 4. Now to him, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called, to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. That word one shows up eight times in these verses. Eight times Paul reminds the church that we are one, that we are together, that we are all part of the same mission. And he talks to them really about what brought them together in the first place, which was their calling. And I don't know if you know this, but every single one of you, you have a calling from God. The first calling is that you would know him. 1 Corinthians 1, 2, it said to the church of, the God, of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be his holy people. He has called you to know him. He has called you to be his holy people. He has set you apart. He has said, I want you to be in my family. Acts chapter 2, verse 38 and 39, just after Peter preached that very first sermon to the church, people said, what are we going to do? And Peter said, repent, be baptized for the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the next verse says, for this promise, the promise of what? The promise of eternal life is available for you and your children, for all who are afar off, as many as the Lord will call. This first calling is for all of us that we would become followers of Jesus. But a significant part of our calling then is that as followers of Jesus, we would then go to the world. We would be fishers of men and women. And that's what I want to talk to you about today, is our calling. I'm going to give you four words to kind of put your hat on when it comes to the calling that we have. And one is the word mission. The word mission. Just after Jesus resurrected from the grave, he shows up in the upper room, and here are the apostles, scared and fearful. And in chapter 20 of John, it says, on the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. That's generally what I would think you would say after you came back to life. Hey, peace be with you. It's okay, guys. And the disciples were overjoyed. Biggest understatement in the Bible right there, right? They were overjoyed. Are you kidding me? I mean, they must have been going crazy. 
he's resurrected. And again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And those words capture the heart of the mission of of Jesus. I am sending you. The moments right after resurrection, I am sending you on a mission, the mission of God. When we went to Israel a few years ago, um, we had two guys in our group who decided to make, it was so impactful on them, they decided to do something that would mark this moment for them. So they went to a local Israeli tattoo parlor, and on their wrist, they had the word, the words in Latin written, Missio Dei, which means mission of God, mission of God. And they came home, presented that to their wives and said, look, we got this really cool tattoo on our wrist, the mission of God. And friends, I don't know if you have the mission of God written on your wrist, but it should be written on your heart. It should be written on your life. You should be living and thinking through, how am I being an ambassador for Christ? How can I help people be reunited to God? How can I help be a part of God's plan? How can I be sent to the world? How can I be used? That's our calling. That's our mission. The second thing we realize is that we are the medium. The medium in verse 21 of John chapter 20 says, I am sending you. You, you specifically, and you individually, and you as a group. You're going to go. There is no other plan. This is the only plan. You're going to go and be my representatives to the world. You're going to be the ones on mission. Chapter uh, chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians says, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. How many of you are glad that's in there, right? And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you then on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God had made him who had no sin be sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God. And in those verses, Paul is just saying, look, you're his messenger. You are the medium that this message will be given to the world. An ambassador is somebody who is in a different country, who represents the president or the king of that country, takes the message of that president or king to another land and represents the very words of that leader. And that's what you're doing. You and I are the ambassadors of Christ. We are presenting the message of Christ to the world. And guys, I want you to know, this is an all play. This is an all skate. There are no exceptions here. We are all involved in this. The question is, how many of us actually do it? I mean, how many of us actually present the message of God to the world? I know our intentions are good, but our our intentions have to move to execution. I believe that while you may have every good intention to do good, we need to execute and live out the mission of Jesus. People all around us don't just need our good intentions. They need our execution on this mission. And we've got to move to the time where we are now leading people to Christ. We are loving people, which brings me to the message. So you are the messenger. What's the message? Again, in 2 Corinthians, what is the message that God wants to reconcile the world to himself? That God gave us his son, that he made him who was, had no sin in his life at all to be sin, to take on our sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. That's the message. And that message can get confusing, and we worry about it, and we say, I don't really understand. How can I present that? How can I talk about God's love to the world? I don't really get it. I'm going to make it too hard. And I've done that in my ministry before. Several years ago, I had a guy from my church named Elmer. This is a church I served in Dayton, and Elmer was a pipe fitter. 
he was a rough guy, rough hands, smart guy. And he goes, hey, I want, to go talk, I want you to go talk to my friend Gene in the nursing home. And you talk to him about our faith, and that'd be great. And I said, okay, sure, I'd be happy to go with you to do that. And so we went and we met with Mr. Montgomery in the nursing home. He was near the end of his life. And uh, we showed up there, and there, we, there he was, Mr. Montgomery, laying in his nursing home bed. My friend Elmer introduced us, and after some small talk, I said, Mr. Montgomery, you know I'm a pastor. I'd like the opportunity to tell you about Jesus and how to become a Christian. Would that be okay? And Mr. Montgomery, his body was failing, but his mind was sharp. He nodded his head. He said, sure, I'd like that. So I began to tell him about how Jesus, what he had done for him, and how he'd saved us by dying on the cross for our sins. And, And I began to go into these words. And honestly, I don't even remember all of what I said to this day, but I do remember saying too much. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I talk too much. And uh, his eyes started to gloss over, and, and I realized somewhere in the middle of this, I don't think I'm communicating very well. And my friend Elmer realized the same thing at the same time. And he just broke into the conversation. And with crystal clarity, from one pipe fitter to another, he said, Gene, what Steve is trying to tell you here is, he and I are going to heaven. He wants to know, do you want to go with us? And that was it. And guess what? Mr. Montgomery said, yeah. So a couple days later, we met together in the nursing home, and his family was all there. And I baptized Mr. Montgomery in the tub there in the nursing home. And in a few days after that, Mr. Montgomery was the first one of us of that group to go to heaven. Matt Chandler reminds us, a person's response is not our responsibility. That's God's responsibility. Our responsibility is simply to be the messenger. To simply be the one who shares good news with the world. We are God's agents. We are to go to people and to tell people about Jesus. That message is very clear. And you're the medium. Now last night when we all came together, the church in Middletown and Axis Church here in Mason, and we began to share more detail. And if those of you who are interested in more detail, there's a right on the back table back there, there are frequently asked questions. Feel free to pour through that. Not much is going to change here in the Mason location. The staff team is going to stay intact. We're going to have Josh take on some additional day-to-day responsibilities uh, in this campus. Um, I'll be sharing time. I'll be uh, preaching in both locations a bit. Um, Josh already preaches one time a month here, and I'll be going about every other week, and I'll be preaching here and helping them to lead up there as well. Both will be under the banner of Axis Church. I'll be helping them transition, develop teams, teach them how to relaunch a church. uh, But our staff team is going to be intact here. Uh, David's going to continue to lead worship. Our children's staff is going to continue to lead here. Uh, Jess is going to continue to do our administrative kind of things behind the scenes. And uh, Andrew's going to continue to do student ministry. And all that's going to stay intact, so a lot of that's going to feel very much the same. But it's going to feel a bit different in Middletown as they change their culture, their style. And, uh, and they become a lot more like the Axis kind of style. You can pray for us in that, right? There'll be some transition for them. And uh, Rob Carpenter's going to help up in Middletown, and he's going to be leading worship Project 215 on Sunday nights here. But he'll be leading a lot up there on Sunday mornings. And actually, two years ago, when we thought about this idea originally, we hired Rob in part for that purpose. He lives about a half mile from that location, so we think that's going to be very appropriate for that. I'll be in both locations during the week, and we'll be working together. One of the things we're going to be doing is 
building about a 5,000 square foot building up there. Now this building here, we lease this building. We lease this building for about $6,500 a month. And uh, we don't own it, we rent it. Uh, we feel blessed to be here. We've renovated it. We don't have any debt up there. They have about $350,000 in debt on the eight acres. The property is worth uh, well over a million dollars in that location. But their building is very small. They have a second building. It's also small. They rent it out for about $2,000 a month. So Axis Church doesn't have an asset at this time. Um, but in true Axis Church style, our plan is to build a building that's very similar to this, just this part of the building, and, uh, and keep it very simple. Our, our projection is about $400,000. In the month of May, we're going to be in both locations doing a capital campaign that's very brief and very short to raise about $150,000 between the two locations. The monthly payment on that, we expect to be about $4,000. And given the $2,000 they already have in rental income, the payment on that will be about $2,000 a month um, once you include that rental income. And we'll have an asset there. And we'll be able to reach Middletown. So we're going to be partnering together to do that. But one of the things that we did last night was that we took rocks on both sides of this building. And people took those rocks. And on one side, they wrote their name. And on the other side, they wrote the name of somebody else that needs Jesus. And, and all these people came together from Middletown and Mason. And all these people that didn't know each other before were now grabbing rocks together. And they were placing them here in these cinder blocks. And people were filling out their initials. Now, I don't know who WTS is. But they said, on one side, they said, I'm in. So put that in the cinder block. And on the other side, boy, they put... MZ and LS and FSS and RES and NS and, I mean, some other people. Look at all those initials on that thing. And they came up, and as a statement, they placed it in the cinder block. And one of the things we're going to do is we're going to dig a hole up there, and as we pour concrete on a slab foundation, we're going to make these rocks some of the foundational rocks of that facility so that we all remember what we're doing together. Now, for them in Middletown, there's some benefits. They're going to have some staff resources, infrastructure. I told them last night, you've been about 50 people for a long time. We're bringing reinforcements. We're bringing reinforcements. Amen. And uh, they were all like, okay, that's great. We don't know what to expect, but okay, you know, it's going to be exciting. You all are like, yeah, you have no idea. It's going to be a lot of fun, man. They're like, you don't know what's going to happen, man. You ever heard of a VIP day? Look, when your worship center becomes a circus, then call us, all right? Call us then, all right? Um, but uh, some of the people here might say, well, why would we do this? We're kind of comfortable in Mason. We kind of like it the way it is. And it's going to stretch them, but it's going to stretch us too. It's going to stretch us because it's going to stretch my responsibilities. It's going to stretch us because it stretches the staff's responsibilities. It's going to stretch us because there's going to be some opportunities to serve up there that maybe some of you guys will step into those roles and say, you know what, I'm going to help in a greater way here. But the whole mission is that we would reach more people for the cause and the sake of Christ. When we take bold steps of faith, God honors that. And that leads me to the method. How do we share the message of hope to the world? And I think we overcomplicate this. The best way to share anything is just through relationships. I like what one preacher said, I'm just one beggar trying to tell other beggars how to find food. As simple as that. Galatians 5, 6 is a key verse. It says the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Somewhere along the way, the church has been defined as a place you go. And we don't like that. 
Church should not be a place we go. It should be something we're a part of. That language was foreign to the writers of the New Testament. They were called out ones. They were ones who were out on mission, being sent to share the message of hope to the world. In the, in the book Lost in America, Tom Clegg and Warren Bird write this about the spiritual landscape in America, that we have moved beyond Christianity being the central force in America. And he said, Christians must learn how to live the gospel as distinct people who no longer enter, uh, occupy the center of society. We must learn to build relational bridges that win a hearing. We have to learn to build relational bridges that win a hearing. And one of the things I've loved about Access Church from the beginning is we have been so focused on that mission that we have had very little like battles as a church. You guys ever been in a church like that? You battle over all kinds of things, right? Battle over the carpet, color of carpet and battle over the fact whether the preacher has a tie or he doesn't have a tie, whether he wears shoes or flip-flops, amen? I mean, these are the battles that people have in churches. And one of the things we've been blessed by is we just have not had very many battles here. It's all been about, hey, how can we do this the best way possible? When we said we're going to open a coffee shop and reach thousands of people with coffee, um, there was nobody in here that said, I can't believe we're doing this. What are we doing as a church? This is ridiculous. I'm out of here. Nobody did that. Just said, hey, coffee? <laughs> we're in. You know, we love coffee. Great. Um, but when you, you know, when we, when we said we're going to build relational bridges with some people who, who are into fitness, um, there were a couple people back then who said, what and why? And I don't understand. That's not like church like usual. And we said, no, it's not. But then we started to see a lot of people start to come through church through that relationship, those relationships that we were forging through the gym. And we couldn't argue with that. And, uh, and I tell people all the time, you don't want to come in here and mess around. There's a whole bunch of people that are fit in here. It's crazy. person two years ago came in here and said, this is, this is my first visit. This is the most testosterone-filled church I've ever been in. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. You know, I guess. I've never heard that before. But we're going to put that on our website. Most testosterone in church. It's not good advertising. I don't know. But, but I love the fact that it's just like, Whatever it takes, whether it be in this location or another location, whether it be planting churches in El Salvador or in northern Kentucky, whether it be trying to come together on a greater mission, we have been a part about that from day one, and we're going to continue to do that so that the world might believe. The Bible says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So who are you building a relationship with today? Today, what is your circle of influence and who are you? Who do you have in that circle that you're beginning to build a relationship with so that when the moment is right, you can talk about the love of God? It is a message that needs to be shared. And there are people that need to hear it, lost people who need to hear it. I read this story. It actually comes from the spring of night of 2006. It came from the Blackfoot, Idaho newspaper. A woman in Blackfoot, Idaho lost her wallet 56 years ago, and it was returned to her. It had been found behind a movie theater concession stand during cleaning, which makes you wonder about how dirty that movie theater is if it was 56 years later and they find this wallet. But the wallet contained a Blackfoot High School student activity card from the 1949-1950 school year and some photos. It did not have cash. They assumed that the lack of moisture and light kept the wallet in near-perfect condition. You could still see the initials BHS on the front and a little note saying empty that the owner had placed on the coin purse because apparently she didn't have any money. 
Um, the guy who found it was named Christian, and he told the morning newspaper in Blackfoot, uh, Idaho, all about this story. Christian said he found the wallet about two months ago when a work crew was cleaning out, of, out an area behind the concession stand, and he figured the wallet probably fell through a crack into the storage room behind the concession stand. He turned the wallet into the shelf's sheriff's department, which is where he worked, but he said he was determined to find its owner. He consulted with friends, and with some help, he found out that Vestal, Vestal Michelson had married Darwin Wixon. Christian presented the wallet at a meeting of the Historical Society in Idaho where Wixom was the president of this historical society. He said, I have something historical to show the group. The woman was amazed that the wallet was returned. It had been so long ago. She said, after all these years, I didn't even remember I had a wallet. And he brought it to her, and she was so impressed. What an incredible story, almost too wild to believe. Something so meaningful, an old wallet left in such an unusual place, a dark corner in a movie theater, probably used for a reason, to buy movie tickets or popcorn, containing such a revealing message, empty, found in such pristine condition, near perfect, discovered in such a reasonable way while cleaning by such an unlikely person, a part-time sheriff's deputy named Christian, shared with others at the historical society and returned to its right home, rightful owner. And you know what's even more incredible. It's almost too wild to believe that the God of the universe would send something so valuable, Jesus Christ, to such an unusual place into our world, found in such perfect condition without sin, given for a reason, to pay for our sins by his death on the cross. And his tomb offers such a revealing message, empty, all of which is left to be discovered by those who are ready to be clean, those who would be named Christian. It is an incredible story, isn't it? And it is a story that needs to be shared till the whole world knows and until we can be returned to our rightful owner, our Savior, our friend, Jesus Christ. We do what we do. We do what we do, and we have always done it this way because we want people to know the saving message of Jesus Christ. Let's not make it harder than it is. You share the love of Jesus with the world. Now I'm telling you what, it makes all the difference in the world. We are going to experience a funeral this week. Uh, uh, Jeff and Valerie's uh, mother passed away, Beth, and, and, uh, and, and she knew the Lord. And I've often said when people grieve someone, it's much easier to grieve when you know where they are. Uh, this week also, we had pink balloons out in front of our building because 10-year-old Sable Gibson passed away unexpectedly. On Tuesday, she was diagnosed with the flu and strep throat. And Tuesday afternoon, she had cardiac arrest. And uh, they knew that there was no brain activity at that point. She passed away then on Thursday. And you all have heard that story. I went, Scott has been a family friend for a long time, her dad. My, my dad mentored Sable's dad. And, uh, and, and Scott said, I would not be where I am today without your dad and I came to the visitation yesterday stood in the line and I was the first person in line I wanted to get there early before the hundreds of people came and across the room Scott saw me and and uh, his parents came over and said Stephen Stephen is Stephen here and I said yeah absolutely and and they said Scott wants to see you. I walked across the room there and um, and he said hey I haven't seen her yet would you go with me and so we just embraced each other, walked and saw Sable for the first time as they opened the casket. And, 
and shared those moments. While I won't talk about all those moments or the things that we shared, what I do know is this, that that family, so dear, so many children, six children, one in heaven now, all of them older, all of them celebrating her life, is this, that while they are grieving, there is an incredible sense of peace that passes understanding in that family because they know that Sable walked ahead of them to the arms of Jesus. There is nothing like knowing for sure that those that you love are in heaven when they go home. Amen. I don't know how people do it. I really don't. And and what I want to say to you is the reason that we do what we do, the reason we invest time and energy in this, it's not just to put on a weekend experience. It's to make sure that people know that Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. That's why we're one church. That's why we come together. That's why we look for new opportunities. Because God has not called us to comfort. He's called us to impact. He's called us to change lives for eternity. God, we thank you so much for loving us. Thank you, God, for helping us know you. And God, thank you for Scott and Holly, their family, God. God, thank you that Sable was a young girl that knows you. And that, God, that she's going to have more impact in 10 years than most of us would have in a lifetime. And so, God, I just pray for that. Pray for them as they celebrate her life around the graveside tomorrow. And God, I pray for Jeff and Valerie from our church. And God, I pray for their families as they celebrate a woman who lived all of her life. And and God was able to live those long years and see her grandchildren and see her children married. And and God, to love them. And so, God, thank you for that. Thank you for the same thing that we celebrate there. She was able to live a long life, God, but, but then she walks from this life to the next life. She experiences the amazing grace that God offers. God, thank you for that hope that we all have. And God, I pray that we would see this as an urgent hour, that we would know that the time is near. And so we must do all that we can to share with as many people as we can the love and the hope that we have in Christ. And God, we pray toward that end that you would honor and bless our efforts. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.